Hi, folks. Good to see you this weekend. Glad that you are here. Welcome all of our campuses, uh, Lone Tree, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lakewood. Lakewood begins a new service this weekend at uh, both 9 and uh, 11. So they're, they're going to um, now the, uh, the wonderful tradition of multiple services on one day. So let's pray for Pastor Evan and Pastor Emily this weekend. They're, they're about to join into a, uh, a wonderful venture. I want to welcome all of you, all the folks that are uh, watching online right now, and those that will be listening later on. Uh, you're all a part of the greater JFC family, and we're glad that you're here. So you heard in the announcements that uh, we're winding up uh, the last message in our series on Obey. And even though it was announced to you, um, let, me, let me just take a minute and give a little more detail. In fact, if you've got a pen or a pencil, you might want to get it out, write this down. I'll give you two dates here, or two pieces of information. One's a date, and then the other one is some information on how to be a part of, um, of these classes. So uh, as we finish up our Obey series, in our mind, what we're trying to do always, folks, we want spiritual growth, longevity. Always think that way. If, you, if you're like, where, where are they aiming at? with any of their series. We're always thinking these two things. We want spiritual growth for you. We want longevity for you. So uh, how would you achieve that then in the Obey series? How do you get the most out of it? What would you do next? Here's what I would advise. On our website, we'll have these three classes that you can get more information about and you can attend. The three classes are going to be focused on how to have a healthy body, how to have a renewed mind, and a prosperous spirit. If you want to be a part of any of these classes, now they're not small groups, they're classes. If you want to be a part of these classes, go to our website, the information of when they meet, uh, what time, the where, all the different W's, the when, the where, and the why are going to be on the website. The four W's, the when, the where, the why on the website. There you go. How about that? Well, you, you got your money's worth, right? The when, the where, the why on the website. Say that. Okay. So we're going to uh, uh, give opportunity to be involved in that. And then one more, when we, when we put together the Obey series, one of the things we thought, we thought would be fun was, what if we did some type of an activity that was focused around uh, the idea of healthy mind, spirit, and body? So we're going to do a JFC 5K, an official 5K that's coming up. And if you'd like to be a part of it, it'll be in Lone Tree. Here's, uh, here's the date. May the 24th, which is a Saturday. We're going to do it in the morning. More information will follow. One of the things we were just talking about downstairs is that um, if we've got any folks in Lone Tree City government that happen to attend church here, can, can you uh, make yourself known to us and could you maybe help us? Here's what we found. We, we've got to have a permit for the park, a permit for the trail around the park, and a permit for the direction that we walk on the trail that goes around the park. And if we make a big deal about it, we're afraid they're going to hire somebody that will help then figure out those three departments right there. So we need, we need to cut through the bureaucratic tape. And if we have somebody who can help us do that, we would appreciate that so that we could get this wrapped up and get it announced to you real quick. All right, enough of these announcements. Let's go ahead and jump into uh, our message and, uh, and finish up our series on Obey. Right before I walked in to, uh, to the, the building, I don't know if you... Um, um, notice just all the different changes happening at all of our campuses. A lot of fun. I uh, had a young man walk up to me. I was sitting there admiring some of the changes, and I had a young man walk up to me and simply said, man, you look a lot taller on camera than you do in person. <laughs> the nerve of that kid. <laughs> and one of my pastors said to him, that may be true, but he's taller than you are. And the kid turned around with his head down and walked away. So in your face. All right. Now, uh, <laughs> come on. So if you find your notes, uh, here's where we're, we're, we're uh, going to begin. Uh, the whole premise 
of our series is having a healthy and whole mind, spirit, and body. And I hope that um, through the past several weeks, you've had an opportunity to, uh, to begin or to increase or to uh, contemplate the idea of how to do that in your life. What we've said is that having balance in all three of those areas is really where you achieve health. Because if one uh, of the three gets out of balance, it's going to affect the other two. Now, I won't take the time right now to go back and reteach all of that. It'd just be redundant at this point. But if you are interested in that, maybe this is your first weekend hearing the message, go to our website because everything that we have, we put on the website. It's all archived and it's always free. We, we feel like you've already given us the ability to give it to you. We don't ever charge for it again. So everything that we have, all of our resources are free on our website. Here's where we're going to end uh, the series this weekend. I'm going to talk about the prosperous spirit. Now, as I do that, I'm reminded... Uh, Kate taught last week, and uh, I am biased, of course, without any question, but the amount of email that I know we received um, positively, I, I thought Kate did an awesome job teaching last week, and I just wanted to recognize just her ability, just absolutely outstanding. Um, here's, here's where we'll go, the prosperous spirit, Third uh, John, chapter 1, verse 2, from the NIV, now I put down both NIV and New King James Version because both of them bring out a little bit of the truth that I want to get into. So uh, he, he begins by saying, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. Uh, tell me that's not an awesome scripture just in and of itself right there. So here the idea again that the Bible acknowledges that there's not just one part of us, not just a mind or a body or a spirit, but he's mentioning that there are several areas here that God wants to bless. Now, out of the New King James, and I just use, rather than using the King James, the only reason I even use the New King James rather than the King James, it takes out the these and the thous. We don't use them in our vernacular anymore, and I know that some people were raised in a church where, like, if you don't teach from the King James Version, uh, you, you're deceiving us. No, I'm not. I, I promise you, and if it makes you feel better, the thou. Okay, there you go. It's all, it's not, not denying that they don't exist, we just don't use those words. So, in the New King James, it just takes out um, the Old English, but at least the translation uh, exactly the same. So here's how it would read from 3 John 1, 2 from the New King James. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Now, I, I think every time I've taught, I always ask the question, how many is all? So, you know, you really have to go to seminary to mess that word up. All is all. It's all parts of your life. It's physical. It's spiritual. Uh, it's emotional. God wants to prosper you in all parts of your life. So I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So quickly, I'm looking at this as the text that I'm going to teach from this week primarily, and I wrote down then a biblical understanding of prosperity. Let me just quickly give you a biblical understanding of prosperity. Now, you recognize that uh, in, in Christianity, especially Western Christianity today, uh, much is taught on prosperity, but it, prosperity to many churches only equals checkbook. You, you recognize when, when prosperity is taught, it's only taught with the idea that it's money. And can I say this to you? Prosperity is so much more than money. So, for instance, you could have a lot of money, but if you're sick, what good does your money do you? And how about this? You could fly in a corporate jet all over the world, but if your kids hate you, how nice is your ride on the plane? I, I'm not sure that, you know, here's what the Bible says. When God blesses us, he adds no trouble with it. I wonder how many times we get blessed in the world, but it comes with trouble. Does that make sense? So God's blessing adds no trouble to it. So a biblical understanding of prosperity. Let me give you three things just from this one scripture, 3 John 1, 2. You can see it right here. I pulled the wording 
from the scripture so that you can see. Here's a biblical understanding of prosperity in three areas of your life. Number one, it is okay to pray for prosperity. I'm going to say that one more time, but I want you to say amen when I say that. It's okay to pray for prosperity. Amen. So how do you know that? What does it say right here in the beginning? Dear friend, I what? I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. From the New King James, I pray that you may prosper. It's the same thing. To get along well is to prosper. So here he's saying, I pray that you prosper, so it's okay if you pray to prosper. So three understandings of prosperity. It's okay to pray for prosperity. Number two, God wants you to enjoy good health. Say amen to that. So, you know who doesn't say amen to that? People who have good health. When you're sick, trust me, you're like, amen. But when you don't have to think about it, it's just like, it's one of those things that gets abused until you have to think about it. But again, how do we know that God wants us to enjoy good health? Read it again right here. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. In the first verse, I pray that you may enjoy good health. Same idea right there. And last but not least, a biblical understanding of prosperity three, prosperity includes all areas of your life. So it is good to pray that your children prosper. It's good to pray that, that your business prospers. It's good to pray that your church prospers. Please pray that your church prospers. Pray that your spouse prospers. Pray, pray that all areas of your life prosper. Why do you know, why, how do you know that's balanced? How do you know that's correct? Because the Bible tells, if it says so in the Bible, it's okay to pray that way. Do you agree? So, so here we have it. It's okay to pray for prosperity. God wants you to enjoy good health, and prosperity includes all areas of life. Now, Romans chapter 10, verse 12, the second part of the verse, Paul says this because maybe you're sitting here and you hear me say that it's okay to pray for prosperity or that he's going to talk about prosperity. So, so John, are you just taking one scripture and trying to make a whole theology out of it? No, the Bible has already built a whole theology on the fact that God blesses his servants. From the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, it is clearly there. You don't twist anything to teach that God blesses his people in all areas of life. But just another, I, I think this is such a rich scripture right here, Romans 10, 12. The Lord richly blesses how many? I love that word. The Lord richly blesses all, now here's the caveat, who call on him. So if you pray for prosperity, you're calling on God. God richly blesses I love that right there. So let's pray and go home. You're blessed. No, all right. Some of you are like, it would do, it, that would be enough for you. Some of you would be like, done deal. I appreciate you. But for those who are not convinced, give me just a few more minutes. All right. One of the things is not like the other. Anybody here grow up in the time that I did that recognizes that song? I sent that to my staff. Most of them, it went like this. But a couple of them wrote back and said, now that song is stuck in my head. I keep singing it over and over and over again. Any moms here that know that song right there? One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't. Yes, you are <laughs> boomers. That's what you are. All right. So I wrote down, one of these things is not like the other. Isaiah 119. I'd like you to read this scripture with me out loud. List aside which thing is not like the other. So Isaiah 119, count of three, one, two, three. If you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the best from the land. So there's two things that the Bible tells us happen in order to eat the best from the land or to participate in God's blessing. Remember, God's blessing is all areas of life. And those who call on the Lord are richly blessed. So the Bible says that those who are 
willing and those who are one of these things is not like the other I wrote in my notes it seems to me see if this is not a statement that you identify with most of us don't battle willingness so let me prove it to you how many of you are willing to be obedient how many of you are willing to be blessed how many of you are willing to listen to me for the next 10 or 15 minutes yeah of course most of us don't struggle with willingness we battle with obedience. You agree with that statement? So I'm driving over here this afternoon, and I'm thinking about all the things that will take place on this weekend and all that we're teaching, and we're wrapping up this series. And here's my heart. I said, God, I, I don't ever want to be a pastor who stands up and teaches obedience, and I'm not an obedient person. So I never want to teach things that I don't live. I, I don't think any pastor has the right to teach things that they don't believe in and that they're not trying to live in their life. So you lose moral authority if you, if you try that. So I'm praying, God, in my life, I, you know, when you begin to talk about obedience, you recognize all the areas where you're not obedient. Anybody else like that? And I, I, I see the shortcomings in me, and apparently the junior high sees all the shortcomings in me too. And so that <laughs> was all right. And I'm thinking, God, you know, forgive me for this, and God work in me in this, and God change this in my life, and God, I don't want to say this and not do this. I, I felt like the Lord just said this to me. I, I, I need to develop more uh, of the, the thought process. It just sort of came across very quickly, but this is what I felt like the Lord said to me. Um, when you begin to talk about obedience, you can move from being ignorant to knowledge. And how many of you recognize that ignorance is not a blessing? What's, what's the saying? Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is poverty. Here, here's what ignorance does. While you're not responsible for what you don't know, you don't move into the blessings of God if you don't know. So while you can be born again and happy-go-lucky, dude, your life can be all messed up. And why is that? Because if you don't know what to do next, hey, you may be willing, but you're not obedient. So when you move from ignorance to knowledge, then you have the chance to move from disobedience to obedience. And when you do that, here's the deal. God has already set in place. He's already put in place the blessing for your life. God is not in heaven formulating the blessing, waiting to now drop it down. He's already put it in place. Here's what you need to do. Walk through the door of blessing so that you walk into the life called prosperity that God has for you. So where is it at? In blessing. In obedience. In doing what God tells you to do. All the prosperity you need is in that place right there. All right, so I then put down here just a couple of thoughts maybe that help to bring this together. Again, we don't battle with willingness. We struggle with obedience. You know, Jesus said it this way, is this not true? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Yeah. God, doesn't that corroborate Isaiah? I mean, just perfectly right there. All right, so let me just quickly teach practicing obedience. Practicing obedience. I'm going to give you three things. Be short and sweet. Here's what I want to do at the end. If God reveals an area where you've been disobedient, I want you to repent and become obedient. If God reveals to you something you need to do tonight, I want you to do it tonight. I want you not to just be willing. I want you to be because those people eat the fat of the land, the best of the land, all that God has for us. Let me give you three things very quickly. Number one, the Bible says, speak for your servant is listening.
speak for your servant is listening. To give you a quick illustration of that, the Old Testament talks about uh, the different prophets that came along. Some were major, some were minor. Some had an incredibly influential ministry into the nation of Israel, and therefore they have an incredibly influential ministry to us today. Others just simply appeared for a time, were used by God, disappeared, and they're not marked by a lot that went on in their life. They were just simply obedient at that time and place. One of, well, two of the major prophets that we read about from the Old Testament, Eli and Samuel. So Eli was a high priest, and Eli was a prophet, and Eli was used mightily of God. When Eli became old, the Bible says that he didn't restrain his sons. There's a whole theology here to get into, but here was the problem. He was the high priest who took care of all the spiritual activity for the nation of Israel. He set up what the temple was supposed to look like in the worship services, and he made sure that the people were doing obedience under what God wanted them to do. But when his sons got old enough to become the high priest, he didn't restrain them or teach them or discipline them or cause them to be obedient. They were disobedient children. When they became adults, they began to uh, sleep with women at the temple. They began to take, when, when people would bring their tithe, these two uh, priests, Hophni and Phinehas, these were Eli's sons, they would, they would take and steal the very best of the tithe for themselves. They became very disobedient. They, they perverted the causes of the Lord. And the Lord decided one day, I've had enough of this. Your sons are not going to be the men that I needed, so I'm going to have to bring a new high priest into the kingdom. And there was a woman who couldn't get pregnant. I'm, I'm combining a quick story. She prayed at the temple, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And the Lord blessed her, opened her womb, gave her a child. She named him Samuel. And when he was old enough to be weaned and had spent, uh, as, a, as a young child, old enough to be, be uh, past being weaned by his mother, she brought him to the temple and to Eli. And she dedicated her firstborn to the purposes or the service of the Lord. And so um, Samuel, as a young child, would sleep in the temple quarters where the high priest would sleep at, and he's laying down to go to sleep one night, and the Lord speaks his name out loud. He whispers it, Samuel. Well, Samuel doesn't know what it is. It's the first time he's ever heard it. So he jumps up, and he runs into Eli, and he goes, here I am, Lord. And Eli goes, why are you waking me up? Go back to sleep, you little snot-nosed kid. So he sends him back to bed. He runs back to bed, and he lays down again. He's about to go to sleep, and the Lord calls his name again. Samuel. So he jumps up and he runs into Eli's room. Here I am, Lord. And Eli goes, quit waking me up. I'm not calling you. Go back to bed. So he sends him back to bed again. Third time, and God calls him a little bit louder this time. Samuel jumps up and he runs into Eli. Here I am. And Eli finally perceives God is trying to say something to Samuel. So this is what he tells him. Go back to bed, and next time you hear your name called, say to the Lord, here I am, Lord. Speak, because your servant is listening. And he's commissioned, at, listen to this, as a little kid. Samuel is commissioned for the service of the Lord. And for the next almost 60 years of his life, he does incredible things for God because of that one experience of saying, here I am, speak to me, for your servant is listening. All right, first thing I would say to you, yes or no, to hear, you've got to shut your mouth. Is that not true? How much of what we do with God is this? Here's my list. Bless my mom, bless my dad, bless me, bless my children, bless my car, bless my bank account. Please bless my bank account. Look at this bank account. Bless, 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 bless. And we just talk, 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 talk. And then when we're done, on our way. I, 
I think to myself, I wonder how many times God would love to call our names, but we never shut up to hear it. We just talk all the time. Now, I'm not being rude, and I'm not talking down, and I'm probably preaching more at myself than anybody else, but it's just the idea. We talk, 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 and never stop and go, God, speak because your servant is listening. I'm not sure that it's possible. How about this? If you're married, how difficult is it to hear what your partner is trying to say if you're the one talking all the time? I know it's deep. And I know you're saying amen because she's here and you're like, did you hear that? But here's, <laughs> I can't see out there so I have no idea who said that. All I can see are these lights, they shine in my face. Let me, <laughs> let, let me give you a, a clear one. I've got a friend that's a pastor. Uh, my, David Melson is probably my best friend in the world other than my wife. Dan the May runs a close tie for first. But David and I have been friends for a very long period of time. He's a pastor, uh, business administrator at Resurrection. Came down yesterday. We just hung out for a little while, a couple hours. We try to get together pretty often. He's a, he's a guy, you need people in your life who aren't impressed with you. He is not impressed with me at all. <laughs> and will tell me the truth about a lot of things. Dave's dad passed away a couple of weeks ago. And um, that's a hard thing. It's a, it's a hard thing to lose your dad. You know, even when you're an adult or a mom, it's just, it's a hard thing. They're not there anymore. I don't, I don't know how to talk much about that. It's just, it's just difficult when you go through that. And when he got back from Atlanta, he flew to Atlanta and buried his dad and he came back home and came down yesterday. It was the first chance we had to get together to talk. And I just said, how you doing? You okay? And we just talked. He said, I want to tell you something. I don't know why it's emotional for me. So I want to tell you something that God did for me. So my dad's birthday was Friday, and I forgot to call him. And he said, I woke up Saturday morning, and the Holy Spirit said to me, call your dad right now. He said, and I don't know why. He said, normally I'm so busy, I would have put it off. He said, but I had this sense of urgency in me. And he said, I wasn't talking, I was listening. So I got up and I called my dad. And we talked about a lot of different things, and he hung up telling his dad, I love you. And his father passed away Monday morning. I know you may sit there and go, coincidence, high probability, not if you don't talk to your father very often. Not if life has you so busy and you live so far away that you don't get the opportunity. It's in your heart, but the time just doesn't allow. Does anybody know what I mean? How good is it when God speaks to us when we're quiet? When I talk about prosperity, some of you are sitting here and all you can think about is I wish prosperity was just money. Prosperity is so much more than money. How good is it to have loose ends tied up with people in your life who mean the world to you because you listen to God? Is that prosperity? Is peace prosperity? Is being able to lay your head down at nighttime knowing there's nothing left to say prosperity? That's prosperity. That's the power of listening when God talks. Let me, let me quickly move you to the second one, the idea of just practicing obedience. Remember, so here's what I'm trying to teach. When we're willing and obedient, we move into prosperity. Willingness is not what I'm trying to speak to right now. I think you're all here this weekend because you're willing. 
That's what separates you from the rest of the world. You're willing, man. You want what God wants. But obedience is probably where we struggle. It's just sometimes hard to be. Sometimes we don't get the benefit of why should I be? What's going to come of being obedient right here? It's like, God, if you tell me what's on the other side of the obedience, I'll do it. How many of you know God doesn't work deals like that? He waits to see if you're going to be obedient to reveal the blessing. He waits to see if you're going to be obedient to reveal the blessing. Write it down. The second one here, obedience is tested with an instruction. Obedience will always be tested with an instruction. Let me just quickly give you an illustration. Moses. The first 40 years of Moses' life is lived for him. The second 40 years of Moses' life is lived for the desert. And the last 40 years of Moses' life is finally going to come together and do something great for God. But it begins with this simple instruction. Moses is walking in the desert like he's done for 40 years. And I just say this to you, anything you do every day for 40 years can become monotonous. Come on, old married people. Come on, I've been married 30 years. I can, it can become, if you don't keep it exciting, it become, yes or no? I've, look, I've almost been a pastor for 30 years. If you don't do something to keep it exciting, it can become monotonous. All right, so Moses is just out doing his thing, walking with the sheep in the desert, and he sees a sight, a bush is on fire. Now, to us, we would stop and go, call the fire department, trouble. This is an area, if you've ever been to Israel with me, you know what the desert there, they have fires all the time. It's dry. It's kindling. There's a bush on fire. Not a forest fire, a bush. And Moses goes, hey, look at that, a bush is on fire, and keeps walking. Apparently, it doesn't mean that much to him, but this is what happens. While walking by the bush, Moses then begins to contemplate, I wonder if there could be anything to this. And the Bible says he stops. Listen to me. Read Exodus chapter 4. I won't take the time to go there right now. Exodus chapter 4. The Bible says Moses stopped and turned aside from what he was doing to contemplate this sight in front of him. And when God saw, here's the words, when God saw that Moses stopped to look, God spoke to him. Most of our lives are spent just like this. We don't stop. We don't, we don't quit what we're doing. We're like, God, speak to me while I'm in process, while I'm busy, while I'm moving, while I'm raising kids, while I'm at work, while I'm driving my car. Speak to me now while it's convenient for me. How about this? I think God waits till it's convenient for him. When God saw Moses turned aside, he then speaks to him. You know the whole deal then. Hey, put your rod down. I want you to set my people free. I've got this call on you. The whole thing. Where does it come from? Moses' ability to turn aside and to listen to what God had to say. So let me say this to you. Um, this might be a little, maybe you think a little outlandish. And maybe you'll even judge me for what I'm going to tell you I did. And I'll take a chance on both of those things. I study Wednesday mornings. I have an office at home. I gave up trying to study at the church years ago. I can't even pray at the church. When I come to church, 
there's a line of people at my office door waiting to get in to see me. So if I'm going to hear from God, I can't do it at church. I, I thought that was funny. You, you, you. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, so I, I put together an office at my home. And when I study, Wednesday mornings, I go into my study and I close the door and I just get before God and I listen. I spend all of my time, before I do anything else, I sit and I try to listen to see if God wants to say anything to me before I begin to write anything. I just listen. There's an art to learning to listen, to hear God's voice. Gosh, I wish I had time to teach that right now. So I listen. And this is what happened. Um, Take the chance. I don't listen to just Christian music. I listen to some 70s. <laughs> greatest music ever written music. <laughs> don't judge me. All right? It's one of the bands I love is the Allman Brothers. It's southern rock and roll. It's sort of my thing. And I have a coveted t-shirt from a concert in 1973. And I pull it out and put it on every once in a while. <laughs> and I was wearing my Allman Brothers t-shirt in my house. Nobody saw me. Just walk around. Got my t-shirt on. I'm about to go into my study. And this is what the Lord says to me. I want you to go change t-shirts. And I walk right by it. Nope. And I walk into my office and I hear the Lord say it one more time. I want you to go change your t-shirt. I know you're saying, you're going, come on. God cares about the t-shirt? Nope, I don't think God cares about the Allman Brothers. One, I, I don't think he listens to them. <laughs> I don't think he judges me because I listen to him. I don't think that God cares all that much about the Allman Brothers. Here's what I think God cares about, whether or not I'm listening to what he says. Whether or not I'll yield to do what he wants me to do. This is what I like to do, but am I willing to do what he likes me to do? So I get up, here's what I did. I got up, I walked back up to my room, I take off the t-shirt, I put another one on. Which one did you put on? Because here's what you think, if you got that t-shirt, you'd hear from God. <laughs> and wearing the right t-shirt is not how you hear from God. In fact, I put on a New Orleans Saints t-shirt. If anything, that should have kept me from hearing from God. <laughs> so I put on a New Orleans, I go down in my office, I sit down, so God is my witness, this is exactly what happened. I cannot write fast enough for all the things that God begins to download to me that he wants to do in my life and in our church. Things that I, I on a pad of, I'm writing it so fast, I haven't even brought it to my staff yet. Some of the things, some of the issues in prayer that I want to begin. So some, of the, some of the issues with some of the people on our staff that God wants to do, I haven't even been able to speak them to my staff yet. I'm writing them so fast. Where does that come from? When you obey, God will give you everything you need instantaneously instantaneously. So you're sitting there going, oh, I wish God would speak to me like that. What have you walked by that God's asked you to do that you won't do? What do you think is stupid? What do you think you don't have the time for? What do you think doesn't make a difference? The t-shirt is not the issue. The obedience is the issue. The obedience is the issue. I dare to do this. This is my tithe check. So some of you are like, I knew you'd bring it to tithing. How often do I ever talk about money? This is my tithe check. I'm not showing you how much. That doesn't matter. The amount is not the issue. It's that I would do it that becomes the issue that God blesses. Hear this. I have prospered more in my life in the last 15 years starting a church with nothing than the prior 30 before that. 
Why? Obedience and listening. Every time I write this and give it to God, he has a way of blessing me and giving me all I need. So you say, I wish God would bless me. How many times have you walked by this and said, no, I don't have time to do that, or no, that's not important, or you spend it on everything else? That's disobedience. Yeah, I, I, I know. I, I see it. Yeah, you had me on the t-shirt thing, but not the money deal. I, I'm not going there with you. Okay. <laughs> so let me give you the last one. Practicing obedience. Speak for your servant is listening. Obedience is tested with an instruction. Last but not least, learn the 10-second rule. Anybody want to know what the 10-second rule is? I bet you can figure it out. The 10-second rule. Um, all through the Bible, whenever God speaks and something powerful happens, I want you to notice a principle that will take place. Jesus is walking through a town. He comes to a tree, looks up in the tree. The Bible says when he arrived at that place. What is that place? Wherever God stops, that's the place. When he arrived at that place, he looks up, and Zacchaeus is in a tree, and this is what he said. Zacchaeus, get down here immediately. I'm coming to your house for lunch. Zacchaeus comes down the tree, goes to his house, fixes Jesus' lunch. He's eating with a bunch of other well-to-do people, tax collectors and what have you. And this is what happens. Zacchaeus stands up and says, out of the blue, Jesus didn't say this to him. I don't know where it comes from. The man stands up, and the Bible puts an exclamation point, so he's yelling it. Whatever I stole, I'm giving back four times the amount today. Where does that come from? What did Jesus say? Like, hey, pass me the tabbouleh and. <laughs> and. You're a thief. He doesn't say it. He's just eating with them. Just eating. They're just eating. And the guy stands up. Whatever I stole, I'm now giving back today. The 10-second rule is, whatever God tells you to do, do it within 10 seconds. Because the failure to do so, the unlikeliness of doing it rises every moment you wait past 10 seconds. So why 10 seconds? Because I know how I am. If I wait past 10 seconds, I'll justify why I don't do it. Or I'll tell myself this, I'll do that later. Anybody else do things later? Anybody else got a list of later? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How about the disciples? Jesus walks up on the disciples. Um, <laughs> when we pick up <laughs> four of them being called, four, four of them are fishing. Now, you know, Jesus has got something if he can pull a man away from fishing. I mean, got, there's got to be something. So he speaks to the first two, um, come with me, and I'll teach you how to be fishers of men. And they looked at him and said, well, you know, in about 20 years when we retire, that'll be a great idea. And in fact, once your ministry gets prosperous, why don't you call us? We'd love to be supporters. What's the Bible say? Immediately, they got out of their boat and followed him and changed the world. And he walks up then. <laughs> on the two with their father, James and John, and they're fishing, and he says, come with me. 
And immediately, they leave the boat. Ten seconds. They leave the boat, and their lives are changed forever. Yes or no? So, were they effective? You're here. You're here. How about the jailer? When Paul and Silas are in prison, the angel comes and breaks them free. The jailer's going to kill himself because that's the penalty for allowing a prisoner to escape under Roman law. And an angel speaks to him, and the Bible says immediately, immediately, he stopped what he was doing. Immediately, his life was spared. Immediate, read it over and over again. Immediately. Whenever you read the words immediately, look at a principle. Immediately when people listen to God, boom, prosperity happens in their life. Not necessarily a checkbook issue, but a life issue. A family issue. A child issue. A health issue. <laughs> I'm going to close this message right now, intentionally trying to go as quick as I could through it for this reason. I want you to immediately respond to God. I want you to immediately ask right now, what have I been disobedient on that I need to repent of? And if you can think of anything, don't argue, don't fight, don't justify, repent. What does repent mean? Change your mind. You said no, now say yes immediately. How difficult is that? It would be pretty doggone difficult. If we close right now and you're like, okay, I can't think of anything I've been disobedient on. But you hear God say, I want you to do this. Here's what I want you to do. Immediately go do it. Do you know the Bible says if you have offense in your heart towards your brother, before you go and bring your offering or before you touch the elements in a church, immediately go and make things right between the two of you so that you're right this way with your father. How quickly? Immediately. God, if you sit here today and things are wrong between you and somebody else, you know what you should do? As soon as I tell you to stand, immediately leave the service and go make things right with the person you're offended with. No, no, don't laugh at me. Don't go, you naive 50-year-old midget. Here's what I want you to do. Get up, leave this place, and go make things right. Get things right. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just comes to me sometimes. I, Make things right with people. God, why would I do that? To be obedient. So that you walk in the blessing of God. Because you'll sit here. This is not heaven and hell. But it is life and death. It's life and death. You get to choose. God sets before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. And then encourage us. Therefore choose. God, if it's so easy, why does he have to tell us to do it? Because life hides and death disguises itself to look like life. It feels good to be angry with somebody and justified at times. But here's what the Bible says. Forgive your brother. Bless those who curse you. How much room and board do you give to somebody for free in your life when you hate them? You know what I mean? You're giving it up for stop it. Make the choice. But they won't change. That's not the condition. Do you want to live? So, Father, we love you. And God, we take the time right now just to stand with our hearts open before you. We want to be obedient to you. We want to do everything you tell us to do. We withhold nothing from you. We justify ourselves not in your presence. 
Instead, Father, we stand before you. The only way that we're even able to stand before you with any justification is because of the work of Christ. God, we stand not on our own merit. We stand because of the merit of Christ. But because of that, we're able to come before you and freely hear your voice speak to us. God, your people need you today, and we're hungry. God, we don't want to live in the desert. We want to live in the land of milk and honey. We don't want to live on the outskirts, the east of Eden. We want to live in the garden itself. God, we want to be in the place that you've called us to be. We don't want to be, God, some kind of, of, of secondhand child. We are children of the King. And you've called us to that, God, and it's true, and I'm not speaking some kind of false prosperity. It's biblical prosperity that I'm talking about right now. It's what the Bible says. It's what, what the authors who lived life, who know the difference between right and wrong, when they wrote the Bible, expressed to us as truth. We embrace that right now. We desire that right now. So our hearts are open before you, and we're listening to what you have to say. God, if we've been disobedient, church, listen. Listen to God right now. Any area we've been disobedient in, God, we want to repent. We don't want to justify ourselves. We want to be obedient. Speak because your servants are listening. We listen. Got anything you want to tell us to do? Any way that you want to order our lives? Any area that you want us to get right? Give us the instruction because we're listening. And we'll do it now. Church, we planned our close this week. We thought maybe it would be appropriate to lead a corporate prayer. Would you be bold enough to repeat after me? Heavenly Father, forgive me for my disobedience. Forgive me for choosing my own way. For exalting myself above you. My will above your will. And my comfort above your kingship. I repent of my disobedience. Forgive me. My ears are open. My mouth is closed. Speak to me because your servant is listening. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it now. In Jesus' name. I'd like you to stand to your feet. In every one of our campuses, at all of our services, throughout Saturday and Sunday, and maybe in the coming week that you listen to the message, I'm going to invite you to do this right now. The Bible's clear and explicit that before we bring our offering to the Lord, before we give anything, before we take communion, before we go to a cross or use an altar or worship in a song, before we bring anything to God, 
there's anything that's wrong, we want to get it right. I'm going to believe that God meant it literally. You have the right to argue theologically if you want to, but I'm going to believe he meant it literally. I'm going to encourage you. Look at me. If you need to go get something right, you're released to go do it right now. Don't sing a song. Don't take communion. Don't go to the cross. Don't waste your time getting coffee. Go get things right. Pick up a telephone if that's what it takes while you still can. Approach the person you need to approach while you still can. Deal with it while it's still called today. Now, if you think I'm being bold, ask yourself who I'm speaking for right now. For me, for my people. If there's nothing that you need to go take care of that way, then as we worship, make sure and listen to what God tells you to do. Because if he gives you an instruction, I'm telling you, the other side of it, while he will not reveal it ahead of time, the other side of it is where the blessing of God rests in your life. If you've been praying, God, bless me, bless me, bless me, don't be surprised to get an instruction before you walk in blessing. And then do it now. Do it while you can do it. If time doesn't permit in a situation or a circumstance or things need to come together, I get it, but tell God, as soon as this is put together, I'm doing this. Make a vow and keep it. Amen? Make a vow and keep it. God listens to our vows. So I bless you. I love you. And I release you right now. If you need to go take care of business, do it. Otherwise, we'll worship right now. Listen. And then, after listening, you're free. Take communion. Use the crosses. Worship. Do whatever you want to do to respond to God. But listen to what he would have to say.